Welcome to Noah Kagan Presents. What's up, you sexy people? It's your boy, Magic, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. We're back this week with one of my best friends, Adam Gilbert. This guy is one of the most consistent dudes I know. Seriously, every day for the past five years, Adam eats chicken and broccoli. Sometimes he has broccoli with a side of chicken, but only on the days he's feeling real freaky. One time, Adam even blended it. Anywho, Adam runs a health coaching business called MyBodyTutor.com. After he annoyed the hell out of me 10 years ago, I finally tried it out in 2011, and I've been working with him ever since. How Adam got started in this business is an interesting story. He was a number cruncher at Ernst & Young in New York and hated it, but he loved, yeah, you got it, chicken and broccoli. No, I'm, I'm playing. He loved to help people with their fitness and was always doing it for free. So one day he Jerry Maguired out of the office, and today we're going to talk about two major things. Number one, the journey of his business, how he went from no customers to a healthy six-figure online coaching business in the past 10 years. And number two, Adam's health advice for lazy fat asses. No, no, just kidding. But his health advice, like what tips does he have? He hates yo-yo diets and fad diets. So he talks about what works and what doesn't. Like my mom with her watermelon diet. All right, love you, mom. Definitely a fun episode. Enjoy. So you were working at Ernst Young by the building yesterday. Yes. And how'd that make you feel? I got a stomachache. It brought me back to the way I felt when I was working there. I just oh. knew that's not what I was meant to be doing. You were, what, accountants or something? Or? Yeah, I was an auditor. So what does that mean? You're basically just looking at the books of hedge fund and private equity practices and making sure everything kind of checks out. So why aren't there more suicides <laughs> of auditors? I ask myself that a lot. I mean, that was the thing. Like, I didn't really become friends with many people there because I was like, how do you like this? Like, I was so far away from the people who loved it. I couldn't understand it. It wasn't for me. But at the same time, you have a really strong discipline. I've known you 10 years almost, longer. And you've been, you're able to stick with things longer than a lot. Why didn't you just stick with it? I think I knew in my heart it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. It wasn't what I meant to be doing. In college, I had several businesses, and I knew how I felt when I had those businesses. I was just so passionate. I would work for endless hours. You know, I had friends playing Madden all day and just listening to, like, music and on aim all day and like i would be like working on my business and i loved it i loved every second of it and i knew that was in me so i was always trying to get that passion back and i knew i wasn't going to get that from ernst and young why do you think people like hide that or kind of ignore that or make excuses from going towards like oh i know i like that feeling but they're like ah well there's reasons why i'm not going to do it i think it's easier to choose the comfort and the comfortable and secure route you know it's very hard to give up a good job People who sometimes come from nothing have an advantage. And when you have a good job, it's hard to give that up. I mean, my mom thought I was absolutely crazy. I mean, she was like, what are you doing? There's people that would kill to be in your shoes. I mean, it was really hard. So I think people wind up choosing what's comfortable. I, mean, I was watching that Defiance one, yeah, which was really interesting. So good. And so it makes good. you really admire these people that like, like even Puff Daddy, who, you know, people love or hate him. I'm like, he did hustle his ass off. I mean, these guys work their butts off and it's because they loved every second of it. Dre, all those guys. I mean, they just loved every second of it. And it's like money was just a wonderful side effect of that. You thought there was something better. For, there was a calling for you. There was like a feeling for you. Like, how'd you start putting that in play? How'd you start making those steps? I mean, it was really just like, I was on the treadmill one morning. I had this idea for my body tutor. I was always giving people advice there. I was always giving clients and colleagues and even partners. Like I was the go-to fitness guy there and I would give them advice and I'd see them a week or two later. And it was always the same story. It was like, oh, I got caught up with work or happy hour or my kids or reality TV, or whatever it was. There was always some sort of an excuse. And these people love the plan I 
gave them. I mean, they said they liked it, but they couldn't stick to it. There was no compliance. Why were you doing it? You were just helping them for free? Everyone just knew I was really into fitness. People just knew and I would just talk to people and it just kind of got around. It's so interesting because I think what people don't realize is like a lot of the best businesses are just, you're already doing it. Right. Absolutely. And I think what people do is like, well, I'm going to start a business totally not related to what I'm already doing or liking. And it's really hard versus you're already doing health. You loved health. Right. People knew what to do, but they weren't able to stick with it. To me, the idea was how do we help people do what they know they should do? And sometimes they already know how to do it. There was a gap between their knowledge and their actions. And that's where the idea of daily and personal accountability came into play. What do you mean? You were just on the trim and thought, hey, I'll just be their daily accountability buddy. You know, it was like, I'd give them advice and I'd see them a week or two later. And it was like, well, what's going on between that week or two? I mean, that's a long time. So I was like, if there's a way for me to be in communication with them every single day, that would make all the difference because anything and everything that gets in the way, I will help them get through. How did you find your first person to go do this, see if this would work? So one of my things was I did not want to have a business that like relied on friends. Like I didn't want to like just ask friends to pay me money. Like I'm kind of weird about that anyway. Like I don't charge friends. I'm not like about that. So I quit my job. You didn't have a bunch of customers when you? No, I started the business after I quit Ernst Young. I quit Ernst Young in January of 2007 and I started MBT in February of 2007. Why didn't you just start it on the side or on weekends or at night? I was just that miserable. I really was. I mean, it's funny because I never would give people advice what I did. I would say start it on the side have it as a side hustle. So you quit in January. Yep. Do you remember the day you quit? Yeah. I mean, I wrote a blog post and I actually was very hopeful. I was just like, I remember sitting in this office at Ernst Young in Times Square. You saw it. I was on like the 35th or 36th floor, really high floor, just looking out the window. I'm like, wow, this is an unbelievable view. I might never have this view again. And I remember just like taking it all in. I'm like, I have nothing to lose. I mean, it's not like my salary was insane. I mean, it was allowing me to live in your salary? 50 grand. In New York, wow. Right. That's low. Yeah. yeah. It was 12 years ago, but I mean, it wasn't crazy. And I just remember, I'm like, I'm doing this. Like, if it doesn't work out, I can always go back. And they knew that and they appreciated that. You started a bunch of businesses in college. Why didn't you just pursue that after college? Like accounting seems like the 180 of that. You know, my mom has a big influence in me and, you know, she's important to me. And I kind of just followed that path of, you know, I had an accounting degree. I took it. I was scared, I guess. I was scared. I mean, I built my own website. Back then, it was like Yahoo Small Business. I think you're still on Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. You know, I built this website. I had experience like making my own little sites from college. I remember like I wrote this whole thing. It was like, spring break is rapidly approaching. Will you be ready? Because at first, it was like to start help people get ready for spring break. I had my phone number. I had my AIM screen name. And I started advertising. Nowadays, I always encourage people, the first thing to do is go get use your own network. Why didn't you hit up your young people and your college people, and your, you know, synagogue, whatever? Yeah, I guess it's more because like back in the day, I sold Cucko knives. And part of that was like, the whole thing is you just selling to people, you know, you're selling to friends and family. I just didn't like that. Like I wanted people to want to buy it, not because they felt bad for me. And I was terrible at Cucko knives. And that taught me like, I have to believe in what I'm selling. Otherwise, I'm not a good salesman. I think that's a good message, though. To some extent, it's really easy to, to succeed and persist when you believe in what you're doing. Yeah. So I didn't want to rely on friends. So I advertised back then. It was Facebook flyers. And it was really funny. I mean, Facebook, was, I guess, was still very new. But the thing with Facebook flyers was if you went to that school, you got double the amount of impressions. So like, you know, I graduated from Binghamton because I went to Binghamton like $150 spend. I remember that like would get me like 25,000 impressions. But if I didn't go there, I'd only get like 12,000 or 12,500. So I asked a few people that went to different schools, 
for their login information, which I'm really still grateful for. Like, I still remember them. So you, you had the idea, you built the website. I started in February. I think we launched on Valentine's Day. You launched on Valentine's Day and you put up ads that were like, yo, get your beach body for spring break. Basically, yeah. At five schools. Okay. And it was like $125 spend for each school. And then I remember just like, buying them and like waiting. And I started having conversations with clients. They're so like, hey, I'm on your website. I see your ad. Like, is this legit? Like, what is this? And I had conversations, like aim conversations with some people for hours, like hours. I just wanted a chance. I'm like, I promise you, like I'm a real person. I'm like, I gave my Facebook profile. I had no testimonials. I had no success stories. Nowadays, it would just be live chat. You know, you could put your Skype still, or you could put your G Talk, or but like, there's a lot of live chat software out there. So, and that was a way that like instantly you can talk to people. What was the offering? What were you saying? Like, hey, get a beach body. Back then, it was a six week program where you get daily accountability, expert coaching. Like, I mean, it's basically the same thing we do now. You know, I would talk to them, give them a plan to get them to where they want to be, and then every single day, I'm holding them accountable. So every day, you would talk to them. Every single day. And how much was it? Back then, it was. $75 for that six weeks. And you're talking to them every day for six weeks. Yeah. Do you remember the first person that ended up buying? This girl, Simi. She was uh, at Indiana back then. She went on to work at Google. I still talk with her. She went on to work at Google. She is like a kid now. I mean, I'll never forget like my early clients, but Simi was the first one. We chatted for hours on AIM and she gave me a chance. And I was like one client. I'm like, all right. My goal was to cover my rent and also to make the ads pay for themselves because it was like 150 per school. And I remember like, I was getting like three, four signups per school each day. And like very quickly, it started to work. And I was like, wow, I think we're onto something. Not to jump too far ahead. But then like these people in college started referring me to their brothers and sisters and older, even their parents, because they just love the service. They love the idea of daily and personal accountability. One thing that's interesting with what you did is that you found a marketing channel that wasn't fully tapped yet. That's one of the things that I noticed that people are like, oh, you're good at marketing. I'm like, I'm not that great at marketing. It's just have a product people actually want. And then generally, the marketing opportunities happen in places that people aren't doing it. Like, so Facebook flyers or ads wasn't that popular at the time. You were able to take advantage of it. And so I'm always nowadays trying to think, what is that next channel or next activity that people haven't totally exposed? Because that it becomes expensive now. Like, we're spending like thousands a day. How are the first clients? How was that first experiences? It was great. I mean, those people were success stories. I mean, they loved it. Figuring out like what exactly we were going to do, the offering and how it was going to work. It was incredible. And the biggest mistake we made was... I stopped advertising because it was working too well. I had too many clients. That was in April of 2007. So you started off with a $75 plan and then a 150 or what was the other one? The other one was, I think, 150 Yeah. And then they were going to call every day. Every day, yeah. That sounds cheap. Dude, I mean, it was so cheap. It was more to just, I didn't know what to charge. One of my friends back then was saying how, like, you're not going to make money. You're losing money. You're worth $100 an hour. Like, that's what you have to charge. Like, break it down per unit economic or whatever. Some complicated business term. And I was like... Dude, if I did that, I would never, ever start this business. And it's funny. We've talked, you know, years later and he's like, it's amazing that you just kept with it because if you listen to me, if I broke it down per hour, per minute, like, I mean, I was losing money, but it wasn't about that. I was two years out of college. I had all the time in the world. So that's what I did. And I love doing it. I mean, still to this day, there's nothing more thrilling to me than helping someone reach their goal. How long were you doing the grind for? I would say for two months, like all day, every day, no weekends out. I wasn't going out. First off, I really appreciate it. Like, you know, we were talking back then. You let me write a guest post. And like one of the things I wrote was like, if you're willing to give up your weekends for your passion, then you know you're onto something. Like I had no qualms about giving up my nightlife, my weekends. I mean, I was having fun. It was amazing. It was incredible. I mean, so that's a good limit. Like if you're unwilling to like give up your social life, then you're not doing the right thing. Because 
I'm 10 years in, man. Like there's a lot of lonely nights, a lot of long days and weekends and months. Like if you don't love it, you're not going to stick with it. So how your business evolved, it was 75 bucks for six weeks. Right. Fixed. And then so you change it to what? We change it to $100 for four weeks. And then how has it evolved since then? Then we moved it to $149 per month. And now it's at $249 per month. You know, you read all these blog posts and they're so annoying. Oh, just double your rates. And you've changed your pricing. And I think pricing has to evolve as your product and your business evolves. Maybe some of it doesn't. Maybe you can have classic stuff like in and out But even they raise their price with inflation. What is your thought now with price changes over the years? I have really strong thoughts on this. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there that teach business that say just charge a lot. But if you charge a lot, you have to be amazing at what you do. You can't just charge a lot because it signals quality. You have to be highly qualified and give amazing quality. And then you can charge a lot. And the reason why I charge a lot is because people were telling me, raise your rates. Like I literally had people tell me what you're doing is ridiculous for the amount you're charging. Raise your rates. I had clients telling me this. And I knew if I wanted to help more people and bring on coaches, then I would have to raise rates as well. But people were happy to pay it. I mean, you know, we're giving them an amazing service. They're getting daily coaching. What are things you've learned to be a good coach? I think empathy is number one. I mean, you really have to understand where the person's coming from. So whether it's an employee, your coaching client, whatever, you have to understand where they're coming from. I think a lot of people who are being coached, they feel like that person doesn't get me. And if you can tell the person you're coaching how they feel before they express it to you, then you win. Because then they're like, this person gets me. So that's where empathy comes in. You really have to be able to put yourself in their shoes. You really have to be able to understand how they're feeling, what their fears are, what their hopes are, any objections they might have. As you've been coaching so many people, thousands of people over the past 10 years from my body tutor, what are the common mistakes most people make in their health that you're just like, they come in, you're like, oh, it's this again. It's like, the, what are the most common things you've seen that people are, are doing incorrectly with their health? I think the number one thing is people try to start something that's just not sustainable. And it sounds like common sense, but it's not common practice. They'll be like, all right, I'm doing no carbs. And it's like, are you really never going to eat a carbohydrate again? Who wants to live like that? That's ridiculous. Like, I always joke like, and say, like, we want our clients to be fit and happy, not fit and miserable. So start something you can actually stick with. And like a good question to ask yourself is like, can I see myself doing this in five years from now? If you can't see yourself doing it in five years from now, then why bother starting? So I think just going balls to the walls, that's a no-no. Start small. We've all heard it, start small. But it's true. Like, if you try to change everything at once, you're going to wind up changing nothing at all. So you have to start small. What's another thing you've seen that people do incorrectly with their health? Second thing I would say is often people think the first thing they need to do when they want to lose weight is exercise more. I need the gym, bro. Yeah. But the reality is 80% of weight loss is diet. It's about what, why, and how you eat. So we always like to focus on diet first because you can't out-exercise a poor diet. And we all know these people who they love to post pictures of themselves working out. They talk about how they work out. And they'll be going to the gym for month after month, year after year, even with a trainer, and they don't look any different. And that's because what they're doing between gym sessions, between exercise, is entirely wrong. It's their diet. What's the most ridiculous thing you've seen one of your clients do for health before they started working with you or as they've been working with you? Oh, my God. One of them, I mean, I'll never forget this. She told me she had to sign a contract saying she would never indulge again. She would never eat bad food again, like some company. And it was like, if it was as simple as just signing a contract, <laughs> then obviously she would just be able to lose weight. So she signed it and couldn't follow it? Yeah. I mean, she worked with this company. She signed it. And then like four days later, she wound up eating junk food. I mean, that's a willpower diet. Like, as you know, it's not about willpower. It's, you have to change your relationship with food and their behavior. So you don't need willpower. She signed an agreement. What's another one? I mean, I'll never forget this. I mean, we helped this client lose over 100 pounds. But I mean, this guy was eating like every fast food you can possibly imagine, like all this junk food. And he's like, Adam, I'm really worried. I need to be eating like organic fruit, right? Like I should only eat fruit if it's organic. And I'm like, 
don't worry about the organic. Like, let's cut out like the milkshakes and like the pizza. <laughs> like, let's focus on like the bigger fish here. You know, we have much bigger fish to fry. For everyone listening that can improve their diet today, what's like the one easiest small thing that everyone diet wise can improve that's listening? I would say start with a healthy breakfast because I think that will really set the tone for the day. It builds momentum. You know, as I hear that, I'm like, man, well, there's this new fat of intermittent fasting right. and there's a new right. fat of putting dog shit in your coffee and you stir it with protein powder and some butter or whatever the fuck right. people are doing. Do you just say like, fuck, man, just go back to simplicity? Like, how do you encourage your clients or learn what actually works even around all those different fads? It's amazing to me that people think eating butter, like butter has some sort of magical property that like helps you lose weight. It's common sense. Who's that fucking old white guy that won Jack something? Jack Jacqueline? Yeah, he's like, if it tastes good, spit it out. That's one of his quotes. That's funny. He's like, if it's green, it's fine. If it tastes too good, spit it out. That's right. <laughs> like, we had a few things like That's that. Funny. Like, I think generally with health too, people do really well, including myself, when there's like simple rules. Yes. I think that's why you did so well on MBT and, you know, you continue to thrive. I mean, because it's, it's simple. It's not rocket science. The hard part is the compliance. Something we've talked a lot about is, well, why do you have cravings? Why do you want to drink? You know, it's getting to the root cause. For the most part, people know what to do. People know to avoid cookies and people know to avoid ice cream and things like that. Any good plan should allow for that because, again, never having that again is not sustainable. But it's also figuring out why you want those things in the first place. Like cravings, it's never about the food. It's about what the food allows us to avoid. The desire to overeat, things like that. I mean, it's never about the food. It's about other things in your life. And that's just a symptom of something else. Do you encourage sex as an exercise? It's amazing. The sex diet is incredible. <laughs> it's, it's a big trend nowadays. <laughs> Oprah, I was on Oprah. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. By the way, I would love to help Oprah. Isn't it ridiculous that she's done Weight Watchers? Like, I think it's ridiculous, not to bash on any other companies, but she's done Weight Watchers how many times now? A plan doesn't work unless it's sustainable. <laughs> it's amazing how all these celebrities, like, they get paid a few million dollars to lose weight. Okay, then you see them two years later and they gained it all back. And then they do another plan and get paid, you know, another million dollars to lose weight another way. Like, the best plan is sustainable. Oprah, give me a text. <laughs> text me. You know, one of your superpowers, I would say, is consistency. You're very reliable and you're stable. And your weeks are the same. As you run the business, you're like, I'm going to do my running. I'm going to do my egg whites and blueberries and protein water. I'm going to do my emails. And I'm going to go to the gym. And then I take care of my kid and say my wife. You know, how do you not get bored with that? Because every week we check in, just for people listening, every week we check in on Sundays, and my weeks are always different. They're literally never the same. And your weeks are, for the work and workout, almost are always identical. How do you stay happy with that? I just love what I do. And to me, I've always said, like, you know, the number one reason why people stop succeeding is they stop doing what made them successful. What we've been doing is thankfully working. I mean, it's working. So why stop? You know, we've all heard the definition of insanity. The other definition no one talks about, though, is stopping something that's working. And if what I'm doing is working and I'm happy, then why change it? And that's been an interesting thing because you thrive on volatility and the new, and I thrive on consistency. <laughs> I get all crazy when it comes to change. That's why I always try to encourage you. I'm like, oh, yeah. Adam, let's try a new food. You're like, I don't know. I don't want Remember the tomato soup? I'm like, try a little yeah. bit. And you're like, yeah. I don't want to try tomato soup. Yeah. You know? you try, and you kind of liked it. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. To some extent, it's a kind of interesting lesson of if you're not good at that, find someone who is good at that to compliment you on those pieces. Because you're coming and saying, you've done this to me. You're like, no, you're good over there. Just go back and keep doing that. I mean, we talk to all these people, you know, they're doing one thing with their business, then they change it up and they realize it doesn't work. They add all this infrastructure and this people and they spend all this money. And then it's like, wait, let's just go back to what worked. And then they do that and things are great again. And of course, the skeptic says, well, how do you know if you're doing the right things? Well, if your business is growing, if your body is improving, if your relationship is improving, if your personal life is getting better, then keep doing that. If it's not, I mean, there's clear markers for people to use so you know if you're on the right track. 
One thing I'm curious about, because I've worked with you and I've been friends with you for, I think, around 10 plus years now. How have you seen me change over the years? Everyone loves starting businesses. They love to promote it. They love to share, you know, the press or whatever. But let's see if you're doing it two years from now. And I think you've realized the power of that because you realize the power of that with your fitness. And I truly do believe once you realize like, wow, if I stick to something, like I'll get to where I want to be. So I think that's been the biggest thing is seeing you evolve from always needing the new. And For you, I know a lot of things. It's like, hey, did you work out today? Did you eat healthy? Because that'll fix all your problems. Well, can I, <laughs> but can I, can I counter that? Because I know it's a joke and I laugh, but like one of my things is like, of course, there's people who are clinically depressed. Let's take those people off the table. Like there's people who just feel bad. They feel depressed. They're not clinically depressed. If you look at most of those people, they're doing depressing things. I don't really meet people who are working out regularly, who are eating well, who are passionate about what they do, who have great relationships, who are depressed. Like it's usually people who are miserable with their job. They're coming home, sitting on their couch, eating junk food. Like they're doing depressing things. Like it's important to have like that rock, those foundational things that you can rely on. As we always say, and I've always told you, like, have you ever regretted a workout? No. Like you always feel better. You always feel good when you eat well. Like you always feel good, you know, when you're doing passionate work. Like one of the exercises we did with you, I think, you know, that was powerful was like, what things make you happy? List them all out. And what things and what people take away your energy and what things like, you know, detract from that and do more of the good stuff and do less of the bad stuff. Simple, but effective. What other Adam-isms do you have in your bookshelf to wrap up for the audience? So, you know, I always talk about and write a lot about how discomfort is your compass. And what I mean by that is like, if you're doing what you always do, that by nature is going to feel comfortable. And if you do something differently, by nature, that's going to feel uncomfortable. And if you keep doing what you always do, then you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. Discomfort is your compass. One client told me that's just a perfectly accurate statement. It's true. It's just accurate. It's uncomfortable, right? If you do one thing and you go do something else for the first time, it's going to feel uncomfortable. So we always like to say in one of your models and one of our things is like discomfort is our compass. If you're doing the uncomfortable thing, you're more than likely going to get to where you're closer to where you want to be. One thing though, that's really interesting. I've never thought about that though. At the same time though, you're all about consistency, right? Because consistency is something is doing the same things right. over and over and over, which is not necessarily uncomfortable. Where's the balance between that? So the key with consistency is doing the right things. So if people sign up and they continue to do what they always did, then they're going to be consistently doing the wrong things. So at first we need to uh, change the things they're doing. So that's where the discomfort as your compass comes into play. We fix that. Then once they're doing the right things, then we consistently do those. The cool thing is, is that what's uncomfortable now will soon be comfortable. Just like what's easy now is once hard. And, you know. They're adamant. <laughs> no, and it's like, there's a thing like called like cognitive disfluency. And basically, the harder something is to learn, the more uncomfortable you are up front, the more it winds up sticking. So if something's really hard for you to learn and you actually learn it, and of course, that's one of the things we ensure happens is because we're working so closely with you, it sticks. If something's so easy to pick up, like a language, a language, if it's hard, and you have to really struggle a little bit. That's actually good. The long-term sustainability of that. That's definitely true. As I've been learning Hebrew, one, it's been super hard and I definitely hit plateaus. Yeah. And I guess you, you probably notice that with clients and their health. I mean, one of my favorite things is like people will say, oh, I'm plateauing. You're not plateauing unless you're extremely consistent. I would even say with you, with your Hebrew, like, are you extremely consistent or is it what happens is usually you start something, you do well, you push hard for a little bit. And then you let up a little bit once you see results. And then most people call that a plateau. But it's not a plateau unless you're extremely consistent. That's a really good point. So basically, they need to be more consistent and push through that. And yeah. And they'll actually start seeing results again. Right. So there is such things as plateaus when it comes to weight loss. But 
it's not a plateau unless you're extremely consistent with your diet for two to three weeks. And if you're plateauing then, then we'll adjust. And sometimes that happens because as you lose weight, you know, your overall calorie requirements decrease. What do you think about all these detox juices? There's oh my God. cleanse juice. It's bullshit. There's no such thing. Your body naturally cleanses itself. There's no such thing as like a cleanse. Your body doesn't know it's like, oh, this is cleansing material. That doesn't exist. If you want to cleanse, I'll say the one good thing is some people use it as a mental reset. You went to Vegas or you drank a lot for a month. So people will do a cleanse and they feel better mentally. But the problem with that is that they're having this mentality of starting and stopping. And it's like, once you start and stop, then you're getting into this, well, if I can't be perfect, why bother? People do a cleanse, they do it for a week. And then the first thing they eat that's quote unquote bed, then it's like, oh, forget it. Now they eat pizza and they start drinking again. Like it's not sustainable. But if they have pepperoni in the pizza, no pepperoni. Right, then it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So do you think this applies to like, if I wanted to be a better Hebrew speaker, if I want to learn marketing, like go get a coach, you think that should be true for all aspects? I mean, don't you have a ping pong coach? I have a ping pong coach, I have a fantasy football coach, I have a Hebrew coach. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to relationship coach just to work on making my relationship better. Yeah. You're my health coach. I guess I do have a lot of coaches. But one of the things I always say about successful people is like they know what they're really good at and what they're not good at. They are ruthless in getting help. And you are so good at that. Like you get help where you need it. And you're also a really good student. You're very coachable. But I admire that. You. All right. So check out Adam, mybodytutor.com. All right. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you liked the episode. If you did, go give Adam a virtual high five on Twitter at MyBodyTutor or on his website at MyBodyTutor.com. Next, text someone you love him. Yo, dog, let's go pump some weights at the gym. All right. Have a fantastic day. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? <laughs>